Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex. We are here to discuss the wild card and how that shaped out this past weekend and also Monday night because I don't count Mondays as a weekend. Uh, We also have Giant GM News who's coming in for their second interviews uh, and the two finalists, I would say, uh, for the Giants GM job, both of them being very good candidates. So we will talk about that. Also, Alex had a little idea here that we're going to try out. The Giants roster is being torn apart. Your job is to only keep five players from the 2021 season. Who are they? Alex, I feel like I'm playing a video game online uh, with that title that you put in. (laughs) But let's get things started. Alex, how was your weekend watching these wildcard games? Uh, I felt like there was always a game on in the afternoon, really, because that's, that was the case. And, uh, yeah, it was just super fun having football on all having football on all the time. That's not including the New York Giants and suffering. It's fun. It, it really is. I, I enjoy playoff football. I definitely do. So, how was your weekend? I certainly jo- uh, enjoy playoff football as well. It's a bit disappointing the Giants aren't in it, but then again, they never are. So, why does it really matter? It's not a big difference than uh, usual. I was a bit disappointed. I thought some of these games might be a bit better. I thought Bills Patriots might have been a bit more competitive. I thought Rams Cardinals might have been a bit better game. We really only had the Bengals Raiders and the uh, what was the other game? Uh, Dallas against San Francisco that turned out to be like the only two really good games. Uh, I felt like the others were kind of blowouts. So that that was a bit disappointing for me. But I I still enjoyed my wild card weekend and those games especially were very fun to watch. And uh, it was especially nice seeing the Eagles and Cowboys lose. And now we can all sit and pity uh, our NFC Eastness. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice having uh, making sure that the guys who have lost have gotten out of the way that are in our division, right? I mean, it's, it's good to know they're gone. We got nothing to worry about. No NFC East teams are going back and winning the, uh, the Super Bowl. I'm alluding to the Philadelphia Eagles with their miracle type of run um, a few years ago. But there are some stuff that we do want to point out uh, that we have some bullets on, and we definitely want to discuss this, as I'm sure uh, you want to hear us discuss and have your input 
be involved in that. So by doing so, you can subscribe to the podcast and go down to the review section on Apple Podcasts and write your review of your thoughts on this wild card weekend, giving us five stars there as well. Let's start out with the former New York Giant. Odell Beckham Jr., the one that everyone doubts on, the one that I have always loved growing up. He was my favorite player growing up. Alex, not the same. Feels like the guy is kind of, let's just say, not so nice, which I you know, I can agree with. I understand where people are coming from with that, but um, he's a very good player on the football field. He had 54 yards and then 40 passing yards, obviously, with the deep throw. I don't know if he had multiple passes in that game. I, I assume it's just a 140-yard ball uh, that he was credited with. He also had a touchdown. And I want to say it was the first touchdown of the game on a fade route in the end zone. Had a great toe tap, a great catch over the Rams or the uh, Cardinals defender. Excuse, uh, the, yeah, Cardinals defender. Um, and the Rams win. So there was that in that game. There was also the booty Buddha Baker. I can't speak today. The Buddha Baker scary injury. Um, which he was hit uh, on a run play and then stared down. Do you know who that player was? Was it Cam Akers? I want to say it was Cam Akers who yeah, Cam yeah Akers. who hit him and then mm-hmm. I guess didn't know that he was unconscious at the time because he taunted him after the hit, uh, which is very disrespectful stuff. But Buda Baker tweeted out today or sent a picture out to the world that he is okay. He's on a flight back. He was discharged from the hospital uh, and every everything seems to be good uh, there. Also, what I saw a few people saying is like they've, you know, done all this taunting stuff with the taunting rule, throwing out the uh, the flags for taunting way more often. The one time that there was deserved taunting, they didn't throw the flag. So uh, a little bit interesting there. I know there was obviously concern with uh, Baker and his injury, but you'd think after that's all said and done, they would have thrown the uh, flag for the penalty because it was deserved. So that was an interesting thing that I heard some people say on Twitter, and I, I definitely agree with that as well. I mean, it's something to think about. I know you were a big, uh, a big friend of this taunting rule, especially after last Super Bowl, Kansas City versus. I was not. I no 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 no. I'm not a friend of the well, taunting. Well, you know, rule. they added it after, like they they the wind. Yeah, they thing. enhanced yes, it. I, I think it. they made it more of a uh, bigger call. I don't think it was specifically about that. I think though. that very much influenced the decision. It was. It influenced it. I thought that was disrespectful by Antoine Winfield, especially in a big stage like the Super right. Bowl. But it's not like I thought, but like he should have the right to do that, right? Because he can do whatever the hell he wants. I don't think like, yeah, it's not right. I don't think I wouldn't do that. But then again, he can do whatever he wants, right? It's, yeah, it's you're not a football it's player a, in the NFL, country. Alex. So don't worry about it. You, I'm not. And, exactly. and you won't be. So there's no reason you... And I'm I'm a fan on the sideline, and as a fan, I also have the right to judge and say that I wouldn't have done what he would done. So we we all win here. We're all well, we don't, but we're we're all doing okay. I'm sitting here on a chair talking about them, and they're making millions well, of dollars. So I guess we're not all doing well. Okay, Alex, but. you you bring up a good topic there because the fans they also do have the right to do a bunch of stuff, right? And they took that into consideration at the end of this Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49ers game by taking their waters, their beers, whatever they had in their hands, and saying, you know what? These referees, it's their fault that we lost. So let's chuck our things at them as they run off the field as quick as possible. Let's run off the field as quick as possible. Um, I the, Jerry Jones had their kids hostage, so I don't blame them running. So <laughs> That's a joke before right. other people start, you know. Is that really a joke? It, it, it's... 
it's very disrespectful. Um, you know, there's other words that I can use. I think it's stupid. And I think, uh, you know, you wonder why the Dallas Cowboys are clowned as an organization. Uh, there were a few different fans crying that were used as memes. And th- this is just another thing to add on to why Dallas Cowboys fans are clowned. And that is because you're throwing stuff at the referees. And you know what? Let's clown even one of the Dallas Cowboys players because here's what Dak Prescott had to say on the matter. Dak, what do you think about the fans doing your thoughts on the field this area? Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. Um, that's sad. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a team, you're talking about men that come out each and every day of their lives and uh, give everything to the sports, um, give everything to this game of football. Um, nobody wants to succeed more than we want to succeed. I understand fans and, and, and the word fan for fanatic. I get that. But um, to know everything that we put into this day in and day out, try our hardest. Um, nobody comes in, in the game wanting or expecting expecting to lose. And um, for, for people to react that way when you're supposed to be a supporter um, and, and be with us through thick and thin, uh, that's tough. Credit to them then. Oh, credit. Credit to them. <laughs> this is unbelievable uh, for a player to, first of all, misinterpret a question by a media uh, person, who, you know, whoever was asking the question, by a journalist, let's just say, who was saying what, were their, what was his thoughts. He thought it was about players, and then he defended his players, and he said, okay, uh, you know, it, it, not okay, but he said, like, this was disrespectful, this shouldn't have been done again, whatever, and then the 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 people, like, stepped in after he finished and said, it was the refs, it was the refs. Oh, uh, good for them. Oh, that was a good job, actually, you know. Uh, yeah. Are, are you kidding me? For your player to come out and say, I hope Mike McCarthy or one of the coaches or someone had a word with him after that, even a player. Say, hey, Dak, you can't say that. Because now he's encouraging his stupid Dallas Cowboys fans to throw more stuff at more people. And people, and this is going to get to a point of injury, right? I mean, Alex, we see this in many sports. We've seen this in football before. We've seen this in soccer, you know, when we watch that. And I think it's, it's bad. Um, and by a player like that encouraging the actions... It's not good. I want to have your say in a, in a minute. I just want to wrap up this uh, this Rams-Cardinals game. One of the worst pick sixes I've ever seen last night when we're recording this on Tuesday by Kyler Murray, who's under pressure and basically inaccurate to all game. He threw two picks. Um, and then we got another sound clip for you. Um, we know Eli Manning well. We also know his brother Peyton Manning well. Uh, you know, Indianapolis Colts, Denver Broncos. Very, very good quarterback. Um he couldn't hear stuff, and he uh, wanted to let you know about it on the ESPN broadcast. Before you do that, Larry, let's go to Peyton. He's going to break down that touchdown. I can't hear shit. Never mind. Peyton, Peyton's doing something else, Larry. Well, so you're back hey, to we, you. We you can break Kyler's it. ready for this moment. First playoff game. So a funny quote from uh, Peyton Manning there. Uh, and then Eli Manning, I think, tweeted out after that and said, uh, I love when little bro gets upset or something like that. Uh, so pretty funny, but Alex, I want to give you the floor to talk about anything you want to talk about here on the list, uh, but mainly your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys situation and, and the stuff of, let, let's start with, let, let's keep it with the fans throwing it at the referees and then we can go to the final play, which I'm sure we would love to get into as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's kind of ironic how he turned so quickly. I get that. I don't really find it as big of a deal as some people are making out to be. The guy's mad. They lost the game. They should have won. Not that they deserve to win, but on paper, they should have won uh, and how their season went. I get the frustration. You can't um, encourage yeah, that, You can't though, say yeah. that. You can't say that. I get it. You can't say that. But I, to be honest, when it comes to the Cowboys, nothing really surprises me. Um so I, I, it wasn't like, I was like, oh my God, can you believe he said that? I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Jerry Jones probably phoned him down to, you know, say that it was all good. I, I don't really have much to say on that. I, I have lots to say on something else related to the game. The QB draw uh, or the QB sneak, whatever you want to say, the, the QB run design run on the final play, 14 seconds left, no timeouts. Dak runs for about 15 yards, slides. And then gives the ball to his center instead of the ref. And of course, all the Cowboys fans are saying the ref, the ref sold, the ref did all. No, Dak doesn't know the rules. He didn't hand it to the ref. The ref had to squeeze between the two offensive linemen and push Dak onto the center in order to get there. And everyone's like, yeah, the ref sold. The ref, like the ref, I thought was running like hysterically fast. Like he was sprinting in there. Like I don't. He was like risking his body, g- g- about to get squished into a pancake between those two offensive linemen. And he went there to spot the ball. So everyone who's blaming the refs, they're just delusional because it wasn't really uh, their fault in that situation. There was another game where it was certainly the refs' fault, but we'll get to that soon. I, I don't know what they're talking about. That was just a stupid play call. Mike McCarthy, stupid. Kellen Moore, stupid. It just, it was not a good play call at all. You, you take two, three shots to the end zone from that position. Uh, you're at the 40 yard line, take two or three shots, see what you can do. You have some big body receivers. You have a, you know, you have Dalton Schultz, you have Amari Cooper, uh, and Cedric Wilson and CeeDee Lamb are pretty decent. Uh, maybe not the most physical receivers, but you can definitely lob it up to Amari Cooper, to Dalton Schultz, and maybe you get something there. And it's not like the 49ers have anyone great in that secondary. I think everyone's first reaction to that play was, was that called for? And then Mike McCarthy confirmed it. Yeah, this was a design play uh, for that down Dax QB run. I think the big deal is, like you were saying, they didn't know the rules. Uh, the rule is the umpire, right? Or the, uh, the referee needs to touch the ball before a QB can spike it. And the deal is with that. Uh, you need to know, you need to run a play and then, and then spiking it. You need about 16 seconds. And that's what I've been hearing from all the former NFL QBs after this. Um, I know Boomer, Boomer Esiason, former Bengals quarterback, talked about it. Dan Orlowski talked about it on ESPN. 16 seconds is the goal time you want or more to run a play and then go up there and spike it. They had 14. So that was already the problem. And it, I think you mentioned the name, Dalton Schultz. Him and another receiver, I want to say, were in front of the play. They didn't know what to do. They were just standing there, not even rushing to get back to the line. They weren't even aware of what was going on. You see all the offensive linemen kind of, you know, setting up. And like you said, the center with the ball, not even trying to hand it. The first thing you want to do, and I think it was Debo Samuel that did this uh, in another game, or it was someone else. I remember they named dropped the player. I think it was Debo Samuel who took the ball ran to the referee, handed it to them, waited for his players. Like, he knew what to do. Ran it to the referee, handed it to him. Referee spotted the ball. Boom, hike, let's go, spike. They had no idea what they were doing. And the referee, you have to assume this as well when you're drawing a play. The referee is of an older age, right? 40 or 50 years older or older than that. 
So he's not going to be as fast as Dak Prescott. Okay. And he's behind Dak Prescott. So for Dak Prescott, that's whatever it is, 20 something yard run. The referee is behind him. He's got to run 25, 30 yards to do that at a slower pace than an NFL player would. So that's what you have to assume. That's a big deal as well. And at that point, it takes two or three seconds to get the ball from your center, right? Under, when you're under center, it takes two to three seconds to get the ball and then spike it. So at that point, you might as well go for a deep shot. You might as well like fake spike and then go for something really deep or at least have your, have your guys do some sort of route to try and get into the end zone. Don't do a full on Hail Mary because then all their DBs and all of their linebackers are going to be back in the end zone. Do something creative. But at that point, when the clock is seven, six, five, you don't spike it because you don't even have the time to do that. You go for one deep final shot and you call it a game, call it a day. And they just didn't do that. I want to say Jimmy Garoppolo almost helped them get a win. He almost messed up the game for the 49ers. And luckily that wasn't the case. He was able to, you know, have the uh, referee and have the, uh, I guess, 49ers defense behind his back. But Good thing the, the 49ers changed their defensive scheme because the Cowboys were going to drive down and win this game fairly easily. So, but that last play, Alex, I mean, obviously something we needed to touch on. Just, that's the Cowboys' fault. And with that, speaking of the Cowboys, Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, um, Jerry Jones <laughs> uh, was speaking about it after uh, the play and, you know, he was getting mobbed by press by the press, and uh, he basically signaled, I'm going to fire my coach without telling you, basically, I'm going to fire my coach. So it looked like Mike McCarthy was thrown under the bus by the Cowboys owner, and do you think he'll be returning next season? Because I want to say no, because if your owner is coming out and, and basically stating the obvious of he's not going to be back without saying it directly, I don't think Mike McCarthy will be on this team next year. I think he's going to get fired. And Dan Quinn might step up and might get a, a you know, part two at coaching. I think it's 50-50. I don't think it's definite because obviously right after the game, Jerry Jones, his emotions are flying uh, and he's going to have to think logically about it. Are their coaches much better than Mike McCarthy on the market? Maybe you get a Brian Flores, et cetera, but you'd have to bring in a known commodity. You're not going to bring in, you know, Joe Judge to, to come coach your football team. Uh, Mike McCarthy is a solid head coach, so I don't think you, you know, he's nothing crazy, but I think, I think he's going to stick with him, but I'd say it's about 50-50, 55-45, something like that, uh, in reference to Mike McCarthy's job safety. You might want to go to that controversial call you were talking about, Al. The uh, refs might... Yes, I was... Oh, sorry. I, I, was, I was rolling right through, Josh. Uh, in, the, in the Bengals-Raiders game, which was decided by a touchdown... Uh, early on in the game, there was a throw where it appeared, or at least initially, they had Joe Burrow, uh, as he scrambled right, uh, he ran out of bounds, and the pass was completed into the end zone, but initially it seemed like it was out of bounds. The referee blew the whistle before the ball even entered the end zone, and uh, after review, they realized the guy didn't, uh, or Joe Burrow didn't actually step out of bounds. It was a legal pass, but, of course, in this case... The safety who's covering Tyler Boyd, who ended up getting the touchdown, did kind of stop playing as soon as he heard the whistle, right? He heard the whistle and he kind of just like started walking. Or oh, whereas if he maybe continued running and the whistle didn't blow, he might have been able to make a play on the ball. So that was the big controversy there. Uh, and uh, and the, that officiating crew that covered that game will now no longer 
be covering any more games uh, in the playoffs. This that was their last and uh, last and final playoff uh, officiating gig. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, the rule would just be if the whistle stopped, you redo the play. You redo whatever play it was, and they didn't do that. They they checked it, they looked at it, and they still let the touchdown count. So I think the Raiders were uh, kind of screwed out there, uh, unfortunately. And also this whole thing about making it that the best refs are there, make it so it's the best crews. Like you don't need to bring individual refs because then you're getting all these. We've seen refereeing issues throughout this whole wild card weekend because it's all these referees who haven't officiated together. Bring the best crews. Don't do the best individuals. I know it's more fair to the best individuals, but for the game itself, it's better to have the best crews instead of rather than the best officials who come together who may not have even worked together before. Uh, which is definitely an issue, and you could see that clearly throughout the Super Wild Card weekend. And just looking to the other few games, uh, we have the Eagles got crushed. Tom Brady has just never lost it. Uh, the guy just gets older and older, and he still does it. And without Chris Godwin and without Antonio Brown, still does it, still gets the job done. Jalen Hurts, two picks. I still don't see the shine in that guy. Like, I still don't see what we're supposed to be excited about when it comes. Not we. I'm not an Eagles fan. I don't. I don't see what Eagles fans are supposed to be excited about. Like that guy just, just does not give me, I don't see potential in him. And then the bills absolutely kick Bill Belichick's uh, New England Patriots. They dominated. Um, Mac Jones just didn't have it. He threw two interceptions as well. Josh Allen went 21 for 25 or 308 yards and three TDs. And following this Raiders loss, don't, don't know if it was directly related to it. I don't know how long uh, whoever their owner was wanted them to go in the playoffs. And that, you know, was relevant to the decision. But they have fired their GM. They're going to start fresh. Probably look for a new head coach as well. Uh, So they're going to be just like the Giants looking for two empty spots. So that's the interesting part. Obviously, they'll be looking for a GM. So that's more competition. They are a few days behind. So that is also something. But what I would say is their coach, interim coach, Rich Basakia, I thought he did a great job. So if he does end up getting fired, that's a guy I'd look at for the head coaching gig. Went seven and five with that Raiders team that was depleted after all the incidents that happened. John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, uh, Damon Arnett, everything that happened to that team and brought them together and they made the playoffs. So I thought that was truly impressive. And that that's that's the type of guy we need to lead a, uh, you know this football team. So if he is fired, someone to look out for uh, in terms of the GM job. For sure. Um, not the GM job. I mean, you could make him GM. Why not? But uh, for the head coaching job. All right, let's go into the New York Giants news. We talk about the final candidates, the two candidates that are going to come in for a second interview in the next uh, few days. And I would say, Alex, well, I I would say right now, but I know you said it originally last night uh, when we were talking about what we we're going to do for the podcast today, that the uh, GM decision will most likely come by the end of this week. And looks like your uh, assumptions might be correct as uh, that looks to be the case. All right. So let's uh, get into this. The New York Giants have completed interviews with all nine initial candidates. They finished that yesterday, uh, you know, completing two more interviews. And Joe Shane, Bill's assistant general manager, made it into the second round of interviews for Giant for the Giants GM job. Um, he was the first of nine to be interviewed in the all remote first round and is considered a very strong candidate even since his first interview and i don't know if it was because he was the first interviewer that's just how timing worked out 
But ever since like he was announced as going to be interviewing for the Giants, he has been the strong you know, choice or whatever. Strong choice by the fans. Like a lot of people like him. Same thing with like NFL insiders and journalists. But also what people have been saying journalist-wise, you know, people with the blue check mark on Twitter have been saying that um, Joe Shane has been the favorite uh, by the New York Giants organization themselves. So honestly, between us, Alex, and yeah, I would just say between us, we're not surprised uh, by this decision to bring him in for the uh, for the for the second set of interviews. And do you want to go into who is going to be the other GM candidate that's going going to go into a second set of interviews? Yes. Yeah, so Chiefs uh, Chiefs Executive Director of Player Personnel Ryan Poles is expected to have a second interview for the Giants GM job. Uh, it's expected to be tomorrow. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, uh, the 19th of January uh, is expected to be when he comes in for the interview. Uh, we don't know the exact timing or dates. And uh, uh, Joe Shane actually already came in for his interview this morning, uh, Tuesday, the 18th. So that's some exciting news. So he's already been interviewed twice now at this point. I think both of those guys are great candidates. I think either one will do a, a good job as GM, hopefully, and they'll definitely be an upgrade on Dave Gettleman. A couple other names I've heard that could come back uh, Joe Horditz, uh, Hordes, uh, from the Ravens is definitely likely to come for a second interview as well as Adam Peters. Those two guys, you may also see, uh, within the matter of hours, days, whenever, uh, from when this video has come out uh, or podcast episode, since the, uh, you might get new information about that. I think those two guys will be interviewed as well. So make sure to look out for that. And, uh, hopefully we'll have a decision. Like you said, Josh, end of the week, possibly Friday, I think what might be the day uh, where we get an unveiling for the new GM, if not Monday. Right. And and you mentioned it. You said, don't be surprised because uh, John Mara wanted to make it clear. This is not like the 2018 GM candidates. We're not going to only have four. We had nine and this is going to be a very thorough, you know, investigation. Uh, it's going to be very in-depth in who they're going to dis- Search that, not uh, investigation makes it, it seem joke. like we're like uh, <laughs> we're questioning these people. It's an all obvious right, joke. Right, Come right. on, there's a little yeah. chuckle after that. Um, yes, it's going to be a very in-depth uh, search for the new GM of the New York Giants, and John Mar wanted to state that in his press conference, and I think in whatever he sent out about uh, when Dave Gettleman, you know, was allowed to retire. I want to say allowed because the Giants would have fired him otherwise. Um, but it's good to know. I think. Honestly, to me, the the thing that pull and it's not a definite, right? But the thing that pulls one away from the other is that it's an assistant GM and Ryan Poles is an assistant GM. It isn't an assistant GM. Um, I, I know Joe Shane is for the Buffalo Bills. He's He's been in that position for a while. Um, and Alex deleted what Ryan Poles is, so I can't tell you what he is. Uh, but there we go. Thank you, Alex. He's the player, the rec- director of player personnel. This is like on multiple occasions now where you're deleting my info. So I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Sarcasm. And, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's just better because we have a guy who knows what a GM does, uh, by being in that role for a few years and also a big factor. And it's not definite. Um, that's what I was going to. And then I said, what was definite was that he's an assistant GM. What's not definite is that if hired by the Giants for the GM position, Joe Shane's number one target will be Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, to become the head coach per source. Uh, and that was by uh, reporter Bobby Thompson. He's an NFL reporter. So not the this, this is an Ian Rappaport. 
But a lot of people have speculated and said, well, there's a connection there, right? If you're going to hire Joe Shane as a GM, you would think he looks after Bill, you know, looks at Bill's people first because he knows them for the head coaching position. And who else than Brian Dable, the guy who helped the Bills score 47 this weekend, right? Yeah, 47 points 47, against the, yeah. the uh, New England Patriots. Perfect offensive performance. No punts. <laughs> wow. I didn't even know that stat. So, I mean... No punts, no field goals. It was all And touchdowns. right, and as as Giants fans, we know we see a lot of Riley Dixon and Graham Gannell on that football field. So maybe Brian Dable can fix that. But anyway, yes, like you said, Alex, two great candidates, I would say. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can use the word great. I know it's a strong word, but I could say two great candidates coming in. I think whoever we choose, they're on two good teams. These are two teams that are about to go into their divisional round. These aren't like we're not interviewing someone from the Detroit Lions. No offense to them, but it's like these are successful teams and they have been successful for the last at least two or three years. So I think that's good. That I mean, that's what I have to say on that. Um, you got anything else? Yeah. And the uh, Chargers and Panthers are going to be interviewing our special teams coordinator, Thomas McGoffey. Um, so he will be going out, even though I think he'll be fired anyway when the new head coach comes in. Wow. So uh, that's pretty much strong, it for, strong uh, statement. Maybe when, he gets hired first. Who knows? Well, maybe. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But I think all the coordinators will probably be gone from the Joe Judge era. That'll just be my guess. You ready for the exciting part? Not, I mean, this is all exciting, but yes, you're ready, ready for your exciting part, your exciting idea. I'm ready for my exciting part. I'm, re- I'm ready. Yes, I'm all ready. Right, so your exciting idea of here, we have the situation here in, in your little game. The Giants roster is being hypothetical situation. Right. Well, hypothetical the Giants situation. roster is being torn apart. You can only keep five players in the 2021 season. Who are they? I feel like it's kind of like a fantasy draft that you would do in Madden where you restart and there's only five people you can keep. The rest you have to keep. Yeah, kind of, you can think about it right. like that. Yeah. So... Um, we have probably five completely different lists. We don't know what the lists are. We we like we we wanted to keep it secret so we would hear each other's. Alex texted me already that whatever I'm, he's gonna make fun of me no matter what, uh, no matter what my list yep. is. Unless you have the same list as me. The thing is, okay. the thing is, everyone can have their own interpretation of this. So I don't know how that works. Yes. This is just your logic. That's fair. But that's fair. If your logic thinks that every every one of my picks is stupid, fine. Let's go into our uh, and this is no particular <laughs> order. It's not ranked one to five. It's just five players. Let's start out with your number one. Yeah. Because I'm not going first. Andrew Thomas. I think this is obvious. Andrew Thomas. <laughs> I put Andrew, Andrew Thomas, Thomas at number you? one. Okay. Uh, I didn't have them in order. This isn't in order, right? We're just like, it's no, just, I'm I'm just, it's just funny because like there. I was going to start with him too. Give- I mean, he was the first person I put down. To that's be fair. He is the that's first. If I could only keep one, it yes, would be him. I yes. have the same thing. So. <laughs> Andrew Thomas had a hell of a season, uh, played through injury, was a really good left tackle. Looks like he's going to be a cornerstone for this team for years to come. He's definitely a guy who I want to keep on this team. And uh, I think there, there's no doubt about it. He, he, there's two players for me who I think you have to keep. Uh, they're definites. And I think besides that, maybe you can move a few players around. And I, and I would have to say, uh, you know, short, sort of foreshadowing to my list. Most of my players, I'm keeping them because it has to do with age. They're younger than older. I'm not. I don't think I have any 30 year olds on my team, uh, or my or my five players uh, are are over the age of 30. So that that's something that you'll see that kind of uh, is a repetition factor in in my decision making uh, of the of these five players. But anyway, yes, Andrew Thomas is also the first player that I wrote down. He had a great second season. I think Alex, you said he only allowed one sack in one of the podcasts. You said that. 
one one uh, two sacks one against robert quinn and one in garbage time there you uh, go. and the one against robert quinn probably wasn't even his fault so he's young and he also can Very improve good. even more so that's why i put him down since you started with your first i will do my second that's going to be xavier mckinney i assume you have him on your list you should if you don't yep, yep he's young He's the best Giants player stats wise, I would say, at there. Here, I had a long description, then I took, I made it shorter. I said he's young, and he was the best Giants player stats wise at his at their respective position this season. And then just sum that down to he was basically the best Giants player this season uh, with five interceptions. Yeah, he 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 led the league in interceptions. I want to say for a tiny little bit of time before Trayvon Diggs went absolutely insane. Uh, and some other corner cor- uh, safeties, excuse me, I think went above that list in interceptions. But he's a player you can... JC Jackson. He's yeah. a player you can build around. He's my number two guy. Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with McKinney. The, McKinney and Thomas are the two guys I think you have to have on here. The rest, I think, are debatable. I think there's some players here. I have like special mentions also because you know I, I, I need to get ahead of everyone here. I think there's different players you could go, but Xavier McKinney, X-Man, whatever you want to call him. He started the season not great for the first few weeks, but he really developed into a really nice player. So I was happy to see, and he's definitely a future piece. And having, having, I think safety is one of those players that, or one of those positions that people undervalue, kind of like a running back or a middle linebacker, where they don't really see it as like one of those super high value positions, such as an edge rush, uh, edge rusher, an offensive tackle, a QB. I think safety's up there, or even a corner. I think safety's up there, especially with how many teams play too high now. Uh, with you know uh, QBs like Pat Mahomes, Herbert, Josh Allen, who can really destroy you on those big plays. Those those uh, deep safeties are really important in today's NFL. So uh, definitely like McKinney. And just before you go to your next player, I just like to say that, <laughs> that no offense to the Giants team, but I mean offense should be taken because this was supposed to be a hard exercise of trying to find five players. It wasn't as hard as you would think. Like going down their depth chart of how many players are either injured, who I would be like, oh, I don't want them on my top five, or like they were like, I like I had a clear vision of who I wanted. So maybe it could be hard, but I maybe it's just like I knew in advance like who I really wanted to keep. But I mean, Alex, I think you could back me up on this. Like there are players on that list that it's like, yeah, I don't really want to put them in my top five. Like I have no interest. I also feel like, though, besides the top two in Thomas and McKinney, I think after that, there's probably seven or eight players who are like very even. So that's what I mean by hard. I think these final three spots are okay. hard to kind of fit in because you got all sorts right, of you players could choose a handful. that are similar levels. All right, you're up. Yeah. Leonard Williams. I'm not a fan of his that much because of his contract, but in this hypothetical situation, we're talking about the player. We're not talking about the contract. We're not talking about stupid Dave Gettleman signing, to him, to, uh, signing him to a $63 million deal. Leonard Williams is, you know, a very good player on this defense. He's important. I think he's solid. He's still youngish. I think only 27. Why not keep him around? I think he's one of those players that you you don't find everywhere. I think you can find some better linebackers, wide receivers, etc. But I don't think you can find many players that are better than Leonard Williams at his position. You can, but not many. I would like to say, Alex, that uh, I'm doing well, not getting made fun of. And I'm also, we're also thinking alike. Great minds think alike here. Podcast wow. co-hosts think alike as. Uh, we're going to definitely have the same list and it's going to be really bad. <laughs> after you try to do this really to diversify the list between each other. Yep. I don't, I don't think we will because my next one's a weird, a weird one. You won't pick we'll one. We'll see. Okay, so Leonard Williams had 11 and a half sacks in his 2020 season, probably the best season of his career. We already know that. He had 
Actually, more sacks than I thought, Alex. He had six and a half this past season, which isn't even that bad. For how much he's getting paid, yes, I know. We, we've heard this before. It's He should be getting more. Khalil Mack level sacks, uh, you know, when he was in his prime. And Aaron Donald level sacks when he's in his prime right now. But he's getting not, you know, he's not getting Aaron Donald money, but he's getting a lot of money, okay? So he should have more sacks than six and a half this past season. He had 81 combo tackles, five tackles for loss, and 14 QB hits. I want to say... I wasn't I was pleased with his stats looking at it after this season than what I expected. I actually expected much less. And for him to have 81 combo tackles and five tackles for loss, 14 QB hits, the sacks level is okay with six and a half. But those stats, that's pretty good. Like for what I expected. And he's double teamed quite a bit too. His double team rate is right, very and I'm high. Sure it's, uh, the most on the and Giants. I'm sure it's um, you know, the amount of good offensive linemen that they tried to place on Leonard Williams wasn't, you know, increased after he had 11 and a half sacks. Cause you know, in your scouting report, you have a week to prepare, uh, in between games. This isn't the NBA. This isn't the NHL. You're not, you know, you have to watch as much film as you can in the week prior. So you would have to think that defense or offensive coordinators, offensive line coaches were saying, Hey, listen, this guy on the defensive side, Leonard Williams on the line, he's pretty good. He got 11 and a half sacks last season. We're going to double team him. And I want to have my best offensive lineman on that guy. So that also could be a reason. I'm not giving him, a, him an excuse, but that could also be the case. You got something else before we go to the next one? No, I don't have anything else. You move on to your next one. I want to see right, who you got. let's do it. We have another defensive player that is on the line, and that is Aziz Ojolari. Uh, that's going to be my fourth guy. He's young, again. See the see the repetition there? He had eight sacks this past season, 29 solo tackles, and one forced fumble. Not crazy when it comes to the amount of tackles uh, and, and the one forced fumble. I mean, pretty good anyway. The eight sacks is what stands out to me. Had more sacks than Leonard Williams this season, right? I just said six and a half for Leonard Williams. Eight for Aziz Jalari. A great young talent. We knew that it was a steal when we got him in the second round. We were very happy with that pick, Alex. I remember that night on draft night uh, when we when we got him in that second round. So exciting guy. That's my fourth player. This is tough for me. This is where it got really tough after those first three. I was kind of like, you know, that this is this is this is reasonable. I'm even still debating it right now. It's that tough. I'm going to go Dexter Lawrence. I know this is kind of a weird one. Dexter Lawrence at that defensive tackle position. You know, there, there's definitely some decent players out there, but I think Dexter Lawrence made some, you know, decent strides this season, especially when it came to rushing the passer. He always ate in the run game, uh, but he, he even got some pressure on the QB this season. So I think, I think Dexter Lawrence could be a guy who might get better as the years go on, I know he was drafted the same class as Daniel Jones going into his fourth year now. I, I still like him as a player, and I think on the defensive line where we struggled, he he's a decent player there. And, and for me, Aziz Ojolari, he has good sack numbers, but his pressure numbers weren't great, and 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 his QB hit numbers weren't fantastic. Uh, and some of the sacks came against, or two and a half of the sacks came against uh, one of the one offensive lineman who was very bad. So you also have to take that into context, uh, the Carolina uh, offensive lineman. I forget his name now, but he's terrible. All right, so let's talk about this for a minute. I I was looking at him, obviously, because I said I had repetition of young players. So I was looking at all the young players the Giants have. He was up there. But honestly, compared to Aziz Ojolari, I see more potential in him after one season than I do for Dexter Lawrence in two, right? It's only been two seasons for Lawrence. Or is he in it? What did he just play his third? He just played his third. Same class as Daniel yeah. Jones. So I, I saw more potential for Aziz Jalari than I know two different positions, right? 
They played. They're, they're, yeah, De- Dexter Lawrence, an interior guy, and uh, Aziz is an right. on the so, edge. Yeah. Two different positions, I know, but again, I saw more potential in Aziz Ojolari in one season than I did with Dexter Lawrence in now his third season that he just played. Alex, and I want to know now because, okay, fine, you're because you're about to be up, so I'll ask the question. That's okay that you have Lawrence. Is Ojolari your fifth? Because if not, then yeah, I would say that's that's bad, in my opinion. Just answer. I don't have Ojolari. Yeah. No, I don't have him in my five. I, I if I I'm looking at this right, Dexter Lawrence he had 11 QB hits, five tackles for loss, and 54 tackles with two and a half sacks this season, which I think you know he was he was very good this season. He's been progressing every year, so I think he's been solid. Ojulari just hasn't had the numbers. I think he he can be a functional edge rusher in the NFL, but I don't think he's going to be a top tier guy. And I think Dexter Lawrence, I get he's a few years in now, but I think he has the ability to be a top tier guy. When you're talking about Aziz Ojulari, a guy on the edge who should be more involved in getting past the quarterback or getting right. to the quarterback, he only has one more QB hit than Dexter Lawrence. Uh, if you think about it, that I get way. that, and I. Which QB hits sometimes is even more indicative of sack uh, than sacks because it's sometimes more important because it throws off the QB. I, I think from someone on the interior, Dexter Lawrence, who has a much higher double team rate than Aziz Ojolari, who had one of the lowest double team rates out of anyone in the National Football League that played on the edge. Uh, I think I, I'm just not sold on Aziz Ojolari as a player who I would want in my five. I think he's a good player, okay. though. So uh, the deal with that is, though, and uh, what I don't agree with you with, I, I understand that Dexter Lawrence is there more as an interior guy. He's there to stop runs. He's there to pancake the uh, the running back as they try to get past them on halfback draws. He's not going to get to the quarterback, like you said, as Ojolari would on the edge. That's just how football works. The edge guys are more likely to get past the offensive lineman, the, uh, what would that be, the, uh, the tackles, the offensive tackles on the outside. Um, and get to the quarterback. Whereas interior defensive linemen aren't naturally supposed to, they're not going to get there as quick. It's just, that's just how football works. Anyway, I still think two and a half sacks are, is low this season though. I feel like you should be having more sacks with the large Ojolari having eight. I just, I just don't agree. And that's it. That's all I'll say on that. I, I think you should have Ojolari when you're coming, when you're talking about guys on the defensive line, I think you should have Ojolari over Lawrence and that's it. I can end it there. We can go to our fifth player. I just real quick, you can't. I got one more thing to say. I think you got to go Lawrence because you're looking 13 versus 12. Lawrence having 12, Ojolari having 13 in QB hits. They're getting to the quarterback at about the same rate. And one of them is double teamed often on the inside. Aziz Ojolari is double teamed at, I believe, 11% compared to Dexter oh, Lawrence up in the 30s up while and 40s. I was no, I looked it up <laughs> earlier, actually. <laughs> Well, I looked up the uh, Aziz Ojolari stat like when you yeah, were talking well, about it because I didn't realize you were going to have him. But so I had to defend myself. But yeah, you know, the the double teams where they're playing, I think Dexter Lawrence is more valuable. That's all I'm going to say. You move on to your fifth no, player. No, I think you're doing the fifth player. I think I, think I did Ojolari first. Oh, but I'm doing I, the fifth but player. Now, now you see this is what happens. We're just going to counter <laughs> each other. I just like to say I haven't had any stats pulled up. And as a viewer of the team, Right, you want to take the eye test into consideration as well. We keep on bringing up the numbers of sacks in the eye test of just watching yeah. this New York Giants team every single week. Ojolari is the better player. That's that's it. My my eyes see Dexter Lawrence get to the quarterback a whole bunch more often than okay, Aziz Ojolari. Who's that's your fifth my player? Eyes. My fifth player. 
This is really tough. I'm still leaning uh-huh. on it right now. I can't help my. I'm going Saquon Barkley. I'm going Saquon Barkley. I can't believe I'm doing it. I was. I'm, I'm right here. Is Saquon Barkley. Right here is Adoree Jackson, and I don't know what to do. Adoree Jackson certainly up there. He was fantastic this season. James Bradbury as well. I'll just go through all my special mention. Kenny Galladay, Blake Martinez. Those guys are all up there. But I'm thinking. This is in my hypothetical situation where we're destroying the whole team, rebuilding the whole team. If we can fix this offensive line in this hypothetical new team, Saquon Barkley, just it's just Saquon. You know, I'm just in love with Saquon Barkley, and that's really the problem. I can't get over it. But I think Saquon Barkley in the right team is just more valuable than Dory Jackson or James Bradbury. I think you can get a competent corner for that value. I know I'm one of those people who are like, you know, the running back positions isn't as valuable as someone or as valuable as a, a position like the corner or the defense or an edge or an offensive lineman. But I don't know. Saquon Barkley, he's just too good of a talent for me to let go. That's really it. No, there's no stats to back it up because I know the stats don't look good from last season. It's just you actually one stat to back it up. 2018, since 2018, the most 50 plus yard right, uh, uh, gains. 50 plus yards from scrimmage, Saquon Barkley 14, and he didn't get, uh, and he didn't have any in 2020 or 2021. For all of you watching, uh, you have seen that throughout Alex talking in that section about Saquon Barkley, I've been shaking my head repeatedly, and that is to fill you in for everyone yes. listening to this episode of the Giant Take Podcast. I've been shaking my head throughout the whole rant of whatever Alex was saying. Okay, let me say my fifth player. This could get hated, I think. Like what Alex is saying with Saquon Barkley, I'm not in love with this guy, but... Kadarius Tony, must I, be. You know, it was going to be him or Kenny Galladay. Uh, you know, I was going to have to pick mm. a receiver there. Honestly, I didn't see enough of Kadarius Tony to put him on this list. I've seen enough of Kenny Galladay, not in the Giants, and what he can do. Kenny Galladay, I have here written down, with the right system, with a good QB, just good, I think. Because Daniel Jones, what we've seen is not really good. <laughs> and then uh, a deep throw and deep throw looks. That's it. I mean, that's all I'm asking. Obviously, it was too hard this season for Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, and Freddie Kitchens to, to have deep looks getting thrown to Kenny Galladay. That's all I ask. Maybe throw a few deep looks a game. Maybe three three to five. Is that too crazy to ask? I'm sorry. Is that too crazy to ask? If you can do that, I think Kenny Galladay can once again, which he has been before, be a top five wide receiver in the NFL. And that's why he's on this list. He's had multiple 1,000-yard seasons. I'm sorry, I'm not Alex. I don't have the exact 1,000-yard seasons pulled up on my phone or my computer. But I can tell you from, again, the eye test and from what I know of Kenny Galladay from when we researched him after we signed him and throughout the season, I know Giants fans watching and listening. He didn't look good this year. I get that. I think that was in a bad system, though. We know it was a bad system because the head coach of the Giants got fired. So even the owner knew it was a bad system. In the right system with the right GM, the right coach, and the right offensive coordinator, you might be able to see a change. A change might be coming. And maybe it won't be the best of Kenny Galladay because he is 28 years old. But I think you will see a better Kenny Galladay next season. And that completes my five players going through the list. And then, Alex, you go through yours one more time. My my, My five, not ranked in particular. Andrew yeah. Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Aziz Jalari, Kenny Galladay, and Leonard Williams. Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Saquon Barkley. I feel like towards the end of this 
we've started like shouting because our voices are becoming too weak from talking too much. So we're like shouting our opinions at the end that, here. So it's a good time. That to is, wrap that it is up. what you wanted, <laughs> Alex. I mean, that you wanted the disagreements. Yes. You got it at the end. I thought it was going to really be an absolute failure, but we got in there. We got our arguments through. <laughs> Um, but yes, again, I know a little bit of a longer episode today. We don't like to go past 50 minute points and we're going to wrap this up quick. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the giant take podcast. You can subscribe, let us know, um, you know, in, in the five stars, obviously maybe what your top five would be drop a five, five star review there on Apple podcasts. Again, Apple podcast, Spotify for all the links to listen and watch, go to shippingstudios.com slash giant take on that link. Again, all the places you can listen and watch. You can even listen right there on the website. It's just that good. Um, and then also what else subscribe to the giant take podcast, YouTube channel, and you could drop a like on all our videos there. We had a bunch of content from last week. That's still relevant today. Go check it out. Um, and then also our reactions, the instant reactions from Joe judge getting fired. If you want to see us yell about that in, in excitement, you can go check that out on the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, thank you so much again for listening. I think we'll have a podcast later this week. I think it all depends on the GM situation. If we get a GM, by friday saturday sunday that's when the episode will come out if we don't we'll probably still record just because i'm sure there'll be more breakthrough information things of that nature but uh you can go follow the giant take pod on twitter instagram the giant take podcast facebook by the same name the giant take podcast tiktok the giant take pod and alex on twitter at anorian 23 i'm on twitter at josh solo 29 we also do a bunch of content on there so go follow us and I think that's everything. I'd like to make sure I cover everything. Uh, I got my few plugs in. A few. I don't, uh, you know, it's a few. It's definitely a few. Alex, you, uh, you ready to wrap this one up? Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Giant Take Podcast. And we'll be back soon with hopefully our new Giants general manager. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.